I think all of us know of the importance, or at least the desire, for us to be able to have a second chance. And I was reminded of this a couple of weeks ago when I was watching uh, the PGA Golf Championship with Dustin Johnson. Of course, I was kind of interested in it. He's a South Carolinian. I don't know how many of y'all are golf fans, but it's kind of a, an interesting ending to the tournament. He had had the lead. He had the part of the last hole to win it. And uh, he hit his ball in this little area. It looked like a little dirt patch to me. Uh, it actually turned out to be a bunker. And so he walked up there and he grounded his club. So, you know, whatever that means, you can't do that. So he had his club on the ground, hit the ball, uh, and uh, bogeyed the hole. He's going to go to a playoff to play for the championship. The only problem was because he grounded his club, they said it was a bunker. It was a two-stroke penalty. And he ended up losing out on the opportunity because that little penalty to play for the championship. Now, it was kind of sickening to watch. So he watched, you think, oh, man, that's just terrible. And I thought, I bet you in his mind he was thinking, I would love to have a do-over right there, right? Now, I know that when I play golf, do-overs are common, and nobody gets upset at me. And so I was thinking, man, it would be great if he could just have a little mulligan there right in the middle of the, you know, in the fairway or the bunker or whatever. But it didn't work out for him that way. And what I am discovering in life is that as, as time goes on, getting second chances don't necessarily happen a whole lot. I mean, just like stuff happens and then that's it. I mean, you, and, and I look back at the things I've done and I think, man, I just, I wish I would have never said that or I wish I hadn't have done that 10 years ago. But whenever I look into the Bible, one thing that's really encouraging to me is as you read through the Bible, you're going to see stories of, of person after person who, is, who were able to receive a second chance from God. Now, today we're continuing our series, Go Deeper, and we're going through the book of Jonah, looking at this guy named Jonah, and what we're going to discover today in Jonah chapter 3, so if you want to turn there, you can go and do that, but in Jonah chapter 3, is we're going to see Jonah was a guy who had, he'd already messed up, he'd made some mistakes, he was disobedient to God, but God gave him a second chance. And I really believe God still today gives us second chances. But whenever we are given a second chance, the big question for us is, well, how are we going to react to the next chance that God gives us? And so we're going to see this in John chapter, or Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1 in just a few moments. But before we get there, I just want to do a real quick summary of what's happened in Jonah's life at this time. Uh, as you recall, God called Jonah to go to the, to the city of Nineveh, which was the capital of Babylon at the time. And he said, I want you to preach a message of judgment. So you're going to tell those people that in 40 days I'm going to wipe them out. Because their wickedness has risen up before me. And so that was Jonah's job. Now when Jonah heard the message he was to give, Jonah didn't want to do it. Now, you would think on the surface, well, maybe it's because he was a good guy and he wanted God to be lenient towards these people. That wasn't it. Uh, he, he didn't give the message of judgment because he was afraid that if they heard it, that the people would actually repent. That they would get their life right with God and then they would miss out. He knew God was a gracious God. He's like, man, if I give them this message, God actually might not destroy them. And so Jonah, he, he took off. He, he ran away from God and the Bible says he got on a boat. Now, and he was heading in the opposite direction. Now, now, what we learn through Jonah is we cannot get away from God. As much as you want to, as much as you want to run away from him, God is going to get you. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but he's going to catch up with you because he's everywhere. And so a storm came in the middle of Jonah's disobedience. 
And it began to rock the boat. And Jonah, you remember, he was thrown overboard and a great fish swallowed him. Now, I know that's an incredible story, but when the great fish swallowed him, guess what Jonah did? He began to cry out to God. Shocker, right? He's in the belly of a fish. He's like, God, maybe I messed up here. And he began to talk and said, God, give me a second chance. You, you tell me what you want me to do. And God, this time, I'm going to do it. And the Lord gave him a second chance. So how do we, how do we react when we're given a second chance? And I, I, there's just a few things I want us to see today in our text about how we should respond when God gives us second chances. And the first way that we can respond, uh, we react when God gives us a second chance, is first of all, is we need to respond to that second chance that God gives. We need to respond to Him. In verse number 1 of chapter number 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. Jonah was given a second chance, and we see this in verse number 1. In verse 1 again, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Jonah had heard it the first time. What did he do? He ignored it. He gets a second chance. He hears it a second time. Now, whenever I read that verse, the first thing that popped into my mind was the story of Samson in the Old Testament. Y'all remember the story of Samson? What was Samson known for? Yeah, he's a strong guy, right? And long hair. So a strong, strong guy, long hair. Uh, God said, don't ever cut your hair. Uh, source of your power. Of course, it was the Lord, but as a sign of it was his long hair. And then so John, I mean, uh, Samson's kind of, a, you know, kind of enjoying this whole deal about being super strong. And then he kind of gets carried away with it, and he starts, he starts a relationship, starts messing around with this woman named Delilah. Guys, watch out for the women, right? So he's messing around with this woman named Delilah, and he starts telling her stuff. And he tells her that the strength, if you cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. And now she wanted to get a reward, get money from him, and so she cut his hair. And remember, Samson got captured, and he ends up basically like going to prison, and then he begins to call out to God. He's in trouble like Jonah, and he calls out to God. And then my favorite verse in that whole story about Samson is Judges 16.22. His hair shaved. I love this verse. It says, but the hair on his head began to grow again. Now, for me, that's just it's symbolic. It was a second chance was coming for Samson. And in verse number one, we see in the story of Jonah, a second chance is coming for Jonah to do what was right. That's one of the great things about our relationship with God, because so many times we think that if we mess up, if we sin, if we've run away from God, if we're not in relationship with him, then it's like a one and done deal. It's over. That's not the way it works. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is a second chance that God gives. But let me tell you something. When God gives a second chance, you better take advantage of it. So what happened to Jonah. Jonah was given a second chance. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. What did Jonah do at the second chance? He responded. And in verse number 3, we are told that Jonah obeyed. Second chance came, he obeyed. That word obey can also be translated to rise up. It means that you don't just hear what God says, but you rise up and you act on what God said. Now, Nineveh could have never been changed. 
Had Jonah not been obedient to the Lord and risen up to take advantage of his second chance? Village church. We are given opportunity after opportunity. And until we are willing to rise up and say, God, we will be obedient to you. Our community, our neighborhoods, our families, our children are not going to be changed. Until we are willing to respond to the chances, the chances that God gives us. If we're going to be transformed, if we're going to see our cities transformed, we must respond to the second chances that God gives. Now, wouldn't you agree that our world's in need of a second chance? Wouldn't you agree that our children are in need of godly parents? will point them to the way of God? Wouldn't you agree that our world is in need of discovering that there's a God who has the power and the ability to forgive? You see, if we don't respond to the chances that God gives us, the second chance that He gives us, we're just going to be tossed to and fro by the, by the winds of this world. We need to respond in obedience. One of my favorite stories from the Civil War era was General Stonewall Jackson had his troops and he had to get them across a river. And he told his troops that we need to cross the river tomorrow. And so he told his engineers, you must build a bridge, design a bridge and build it so we can get across tomorrow. And then he went to his wagon master and told him about the importance of being quick and getting across the river. Well, the next morning, Jackson got up, and, and he walked outside, and it was before the sun had come up, and he saw a bridge over the river, and he was very impressed, walked across the bridge, the wagon master standing there, and, and he talks to him, talks about what a great job he did, and he's looking around, and he said, where are the engineers? And he said, well, they're, they're still on the other side, drawing up plans for the bridge. And I, and I thought, you know, I, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, many times as Christians, we are very similar to the engineers, and that we spend all of our time drawing up plans, uh, spending all of our time talking about what needs to be done, and yet never quite getting across the river. Village Church, it's time for us to take action. As God speaks to us in prayer, and as God speaks to us through His Word. Why? Because as we respond to Him, it is a demonstration of our trust and our faith in God, and that we love Him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now, we're given second chances. How are we to react? Well, first, we're to respond, first of all. When we're given a second chance, we are also to repent. We respond, and then we respond with repentance. In verse number 4, it says, on the first day Jonah started into the, into the city, he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. And they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And then he issued this proclamation to Nineveh, By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. When, I, when we started this series, I told you about Nineveh, which was the capital of, uh, which was the capital of Babylon, and we, we talked about them. It's absolutely evil, you know, the evil empire. 
I mean, they were the world power at this time. They were the first army to develop iron in their weaponry, so they're head and shoulders above everybody else. They'd already destroyed Israel. They'd already taken the people into captivity. So all these different things are in, are in the background. And in chapter 1, God told Jonah, I want you to preach a message of judgment against these people. And that, that's a reminder to me that, that we can live like we want to. You can choose to do whatever it is that you want to. God will allow you to have that choice. But there does come a time when we will be held accountable. Now, I like to preach on the love of God because our God is a God of love. I love to preach and talk about how God loves us just as we are. Do you know that? God loves you right now. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Christ loves you right now. But there's another side of God that oftentimes we skip. And that is that our God is a God who is holy. And he is a God who is just. And he is a God who will hold us accountable. Now he, got, he does give us freedom. He gives us freedom to be obedient to him or to be disobedient to him. But there comes consequences with the decisions that we make. Now, I don't know what God's timetable is when he decides he's going to judge. That's all in his time frame. But what we want to do is, I guarantee you, we want to avoid the judgment of God. Now, how do we do that? By repenting. You know, whenever Jesus first started preaching, that was one of the very first things he said. In Matthew four seventeen, Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near." To repent means to make, you know, a 180 degree turn. If you're heading this direction, when you repent, you turn around and you go a different direction. For the people of Nineveh to repent, they, they were a people who were just, oh man, they worshipped all these foreign gods. They were tremendously cruel. For them to repent meant to quit worshipping those gods. To quit being cruel and to follow the one true God. That was repentance. Did they do it? Well, the king got word that that their country is going to be destroyed in 40 days. And in verse number 5 it says, And they believed God. When they heard the message, they, they believed it, God's going to be true to His word. God's going to follow through. God's going to destroy us. And so what did they do? The king came out and he said, Turn from your violent ways. They put on sackcloth. It's kind of interesting. It says they put on sackcloth for everybody and even the animals. Now what is that about? Sackcloth was a sign of humbling yourself before God. This is a, a, a nation, a, a, an entire city humbled themselves before God. And basically the king said, who knows, maybe God will relent. Maybe God will not bring judgment upon us. Now here's my question for you. Are there some areas in your life that you need to turn from, where you need to repent are you involved in things that you know are not right? If you are, I want to challenge you to turn away from those things. To, to tell God that you're sorry. And then stop doing them. You see, whenever we surrender our lives to God, that's exactly what it means. It means that we give up living for self and say we will live for God. Because if we don't do that, if we just hang on to ourselves... Guys, like I said earlier, we're just going to be tossed to and fro. We're going to follow after all of our little whims and wants in life. And we're going to get blown all over the place. Whenever I was a senior, after I graduated from high school my senior year, my parents, for some reason, let me and some guys, we went to Mexico uh, for our senior trip. We went to Cancun. And so we went down to Cancun, and uh, 
Uh, I remember I got on the I got on the beach and I was getting I was getting my tan, and uh, so I was laying out there and uh, my my buddies decide they're going to get a sailboat and so they they go off or a little, I guess it's more like a catamaran, and uh, they 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 go off and they're riding around the water you know looking real cool and I'm watching them and then out of nowhere a storm just blows in I mean the sky got black instantly. As I'm watching them, I mean, it's pouring rain. I'm, I'm watching them, and they're just getting smaller and smaller on the horizon. And I start thinking, they're in trouble. And so I ran over to the lifeguard, and I told him what was going on. And the lifeguard called a, a, a little a boat, a captain. I, I had to pay him. And so we get in the boat, <clears throat> we go out there to try to get my friends. As we get out there, we finally kind of get near them. And as you get close to them, it's pouring rain. They're all huddled up together right next to each other, and the sail's still up. And they're just getting ripped right out into the Gulf of Mexico. Now, our captain's yelling at them, put down the sail. And so those guys, they finally get up enough courage, they bring the sail down, and the boat slows down, and we're able to grab hold of them and rescue them. Now, when they got on the boat, you know, I get in their face like I, like I know anything about boats. You know, I get in the face, like, what in the world are you guys doing with your sail up? That is so stupid. And uh, so, you know, I, I jump all over. And what they told me, they said, we were so scared, we didn't know what in the world to do. But whenever they finally put the sail down, man, their course changed. When they put the sail down, it was then that they were able to be rescued. And I said, that's what, in a sense, that's what repentance is. It is putting our sail down, saying, God, we no longer have control. We put ourselves at your mercy. And we'll get off our course and trust that you will bring us to your course. You know, we put the sail down. It's as though we were saying, God, I'm in trouble. God, rescue me. Which is exactly what Jonah did. He got to a point, he's in the belly of a fish, and he says, God, rescue me. I can't do it on my own. And God did. Now, whenever we are given an opportunity for a second chance, how are we to react? Well, we respond, we repent, and then the final one is we relent. Y'all notice that? Three R's. I'm impressed with myself. So respond, repent, and the last one is relent. Now, look at verse 9 and 10. These are the last two verses of our text. It says, this is the king of, of, of Nineveh, saying, Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. The Ninevites responded by repenting. They turned away from the direction where they were going. And then it was time for them to relent which means it was time for them to give up and to trust God. To put themselves at the mercy of God. Now that's a tough thing for any of us to do is to trust others. I think it's so tough, tough for a lot of us to trust others because we've done it before. And we've ended up getting burned by it. So I'm not going to trust anybody again. Now the Ninevites came to a place where they, they were so desperate. They said, you know what? If, if, we don't, if we don't relent, we're going to be destroyed and so they gave up and said, Lord, we are putting ourselves at your disposal. And when they relented, it was then God could reach in and save them. Let me give you an example very briefly. I've, I've told you all before, but whenever lifeguards are being trained, they're taught when somebody's going under the water, they're to go out and to rescue that person. But they don't do it immediately if the person's thrashing around. 
If the person is still thrashing around, then they stay back and wait for them to get tired. Because if they don't, and they go in there, they're going to grab onto that lifeguard and they're going to yank them all the way down under with them. Because they're scared. And so you wait until they are worn out so they can barely keep their head above water. And it's then that you can go in and grab hold of them and bring them back to shore. They're not going to put up a fight anymore. Because they're give out. And I really believe that is how God works with us. You see, as long as we are thrashing around in this life, trying to make it on our own, trying to succeed on our own without God, it's like we are thrashing around and God's not going to step in when we're under our own power. And it's not because God's mean. It's because God gives us a choice to make a decision as to who we're going to live for, me or God. Now, if, you, if you're just set on thrashing around in this life, God will let you do it. But let me tell you where you're going to end up. You're going to end up at the bottom of the sea. You're going to end up drowning. But whenever you relent and say, God, I can't do it on my own, it is then that God will reach out and grab you. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Nineveh got to the point where they were tired of boasting in themselves. And we're told in verse 10, they relented. And God did not bring destruction upon their nation. Our God is the God of second chances. The question is, will you take advantage of the second chance that God gives you? How should we react? You repent. You start off, excuse me, you respond first. You respond to God, and then you respond with repentance. And then you relent. And then God will change and transform your life. Now for some of you, I believe there's some of you, and it's time for some of you to repent. You have things in your life that you know are not to be there. It could be that there are relationships that you're involved in, people that you are involved with, who pull you away from God. And you need to repent and step away from those relationships. Some of you, 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 you're in, in your business practices. There are things that you're doing that maybe make you an extra dollar, but you know that they are ungodly, that ethically they're not, ethically they're not right. It's time to repent and step away from those things. And for others of you, it's time for you to completely take the sail down and say, Jesus, I am tired of trying to navigate this life by myself, and today... I will give myself to you, to live for you, to belong to you. And if that's you, I would encourage you in just a few moments to call out to God in prayer and say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. So we close out the service. I'd just like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And I believe some of you might just simply need to talk to God and tell God, God, I'm sorry. God, I need, I need redemption. I need your forgiveness. Lord, there are things I need to move away from. And so you pray and tell God those things. And others of you, it's time for you to call out to God and give Him charge of your life. And if that's you, I just want to challenge you where you are to simply pray this prayer after me to God. You can pray it to Him silently. Just simply say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. Father, forgive me of my sin. And Lord, I... I will quit thrashing around in this life and now I will put myself at your mercy. And I trust that you will rescue and save me and give me a new life in you. 
with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I want to challenge you in just a few moments. You can take your bulletin. And I want you to open it up and look at that section on the right side. There's a lot of different areas that are mentioned there, maybe decisions that you've made. Fill that, that out. Check those lines that are, that are applicable to you. Then tear that out and put that in the offering basket in just a few moments so that we can help you in your walk with God as we are living in a world that needs change. And I believe that change will begin right here. Father God, may we be responsive to you today. I pray that we will be sensitive to you. And Lord, today, that we would quit thrashing around and just simply wait and trust for you to grab us and to bring us home with you to follow the direction that you have for our lives. And I pray these things in Christ's name.